0: Welcome to a new episode of the Mark Gross Podcast. I'm always inspired by what someone creates out of their pain, their suffering, their challenges, the rejection, the the divorce, the breakup, the job loss, like where something is born that is only found in that space. That like where Francis Weller talks about how The soul dwells in the darkness, And and I really think that it is in these moments that we are released in a way, that like through the pain, if we go into it, there is an aspect of us that is finally recognized, that is finally born, that has been maybe rejected or socialized to not even be paid attention to, or we had to leave behind to belong to the relationship or the church or the community. And so there's always... Something so profound that is created from those things and creations that help other people walk through that. and it can be a creation as simple as a a food or a product or a or a service that is what we needed to make it through or something that helped us sort ourselves out and and today's episode is a conversation with Amanda Getz, who is the founder of House of Wise. And I love her as a human being. She's inspiring. She's she's motivational. But she's been through so much, and she continues to sort of live her life out loud. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because her story is really inspiring. And what she's created from her pain and her suffering and her challenges and she just like humanizes the actual human process which is so weird to think of like humanizing the human process but so much of us some so many of us experience the highlight reels of people's lives and we don't see like the daily grind or the daily thing that creates the business that inspires us or whatever it might be So before we get started with today's episode, please, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe to the podcast, make sure you give it a five-star review or a written review. That's such a simple way to help support the podcast. And here we go. Here's Amanda Goetz. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I've got Amanda Getz here, founder of House of Wise, badass. I was badass woman, entrepreneur, mom, kick ass, take over the earth. That's how I feel about what you do. So thank you for being here.
1: Wow. What an intro.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Not totally formal, but also like pretty representative (laughs) of the, Sort of balance slash hustle that uh, I observe in in how you live your life, which I can I'll tell you more as as we journey how much you've actually inspired uh, our work and our workplace at Create the Love. Uh, so I'll share with that as we go.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that because I was actually thinking back to the first time I listened to your podcast, and it was like episode eight or nine with Jason Gaddis. Gaddis,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: And I remember sitting there listening. It was like titled "Becoming a Relationship Grown up or something and he he literally was speaking my current reality of going through a divorce, and i it was just like that's when I discovered you, and then I started listening, and then we obviously connected um in real life, and yeah, so I can share a little bit of. Of what got me to that point, um, because I think it's really, really a big part of my story and what I talk to a lot of women about, which is, so I'm from the Midwest, grew up in a town of eight hundred people, oh, first gen- yeah, first generation college grad. like when I go home, like sometimes they'll even change the sign outside of the library. It's one of those like m- like letter signs that they still put up like letter <laughs> yeah. by letter, yeah. and it's like, we welcome to- home.
0: Yeah, we used to fuck with those and change them so yeah. they said something dirty. Yeah, that was great. My mom would be like, did you and your brother change that sign? Uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, so they, they'll they change it when you come home?
1: Sometimes. That has That's happened. That's pretty
0: cool. Yeah. That's really cool.
1: It's and I went to a really small town, small high school, you know, less than 50 people. So, you know, small town vibes. And I'm a first-generation college grad, and my parents got married. I think they were 18 and 19, and so... I kind of lived by that subconscious like map for my life. Mm. So I got engaged at 19 um, in college, married at 21. And then I realized that I wanted to start to figure out who I was. I, I wanted to grow and transform, but I didn't even know what that meant. I had just been living by like what the church, like I grew up Catholic, what my parents, what my family all expected of me. But I had no clue what I kind of expected from myself. And so moved to New York and the physical departure away from everything I knew was really big for me and started living in New York and started growing and transforming. And what happened was in this relationship, I was the only one transforming. And and I remember – I kept asking for us to like do new things together or try new things. And and I remember one time my my partner saying, like, where's the girl I married? And mm-hmm. I'm like, she's so far gone. Um, oh. I'm now discovering like all this p- these parts of me. And and like in his defense, like the girl he married was a super submissive, submissive, wanting to be a domestic, you know, caretaker. And then I started discovering like how powerful I was and what I Mm. could do in the business world. And that those were not mutually exclusive, that I could be a mom, but I could also be a CEO or lead marketing at a global company or whatever. And, and so I started asking for new, new contracts, new, new boundaries. And It was right around that time that I heard the the episode with Jason, and it was all about how women will get to the point where they've already done all the work, and then they'll ask for a Mm. divorce, and at that point, it's way too late, because they've, you know, completely decafected from the relationship, and so I had never gone to therapy before, and I told myself, you know, I had three kids under the age of four, so I was going through postpartum, Yeah. I was going through trying
0: to do all the things at the same time. That's
1: yeah, you know.
0: (laughs) Wow. Three kids under four Mm -hmm. going through a divorce in New York City. What was it like? Just I wanted to understand this. What was it like to move from a city of 800 people to New York from like a how you saw the world 19, everyone around you sort of living a similar life or living. A similar path, like get married by twenty one, yeah. do that, and then you move to this other place. Yeah, and I'm just curious what was that effect and then um we were starting therapy. So yeah,
1: curious yeah. if you could
0: walk me through that.
1: For me, it just felt like there were endless possibilities of who I could become and I wanted to try them all on to see mm. which shoe fit. Like in New York city, like even the sex positive community, there's so much to like learn and understand. And even just hearing other people, like I have a friend that was, went to Dom school and like just hearing about the psychology behind that, right? that is fascinating to me. And it it just, who I am today is not who I'm going to be a year from now. And to me, that is the coolest fucking thing. And I think for me, looking at my past, I kept trying to be the Amanda everyone knew and loved who was like a people pleaser and, and, you know, felt everyone's emotions. And all of a sudden I stopped doing that. And yes, I lost a lot of people in my life, but I, I was gaining myself and learning who I was. So, yeah, to me, New York City opened my eyes in a way that was so cool. But, mm. yeah. And so then I started going to therapy. And I my first therapy session, I'll never forget. Like, I, I go in. I have no clue what to expect. And I sit down. And, like, before she even says anything, I'm just crying my eyes out. You know, I just had all this pent-up emotion. And I, I finally, like, blubber out like I want I want a divorce and so I get that out and then we start talking and I was saying how like I was so angry that I'm I'm feel like I'm doing everything like I feel like I'm doing the child care and I'm doing you know caring for the home and all this stuff my therapist looked at me and she said what if you started being proud of all you're capable of Mm -hmm. and just saw how superhuman, you are doing all the things that you're doing. She's like, if you become a single mom, that's also going to be there. So why don't you start being a single mom now, right now in your head? And so what happened was, so she asked, she said that, and then she said, you just had three kids in a span of four years. Let's work on your stuff first, before you make any decisions to change your life. And so I said, okay, I will do those two things. I will go to therapy for, you know, six months, twice a week, make sure that I am in a stable place and also know what I contributed because like takes two to tango. Like I definitely know that there were like traumas that I brought to that relationship and why I saw it, um, the, the dynamics that I did. And I started to be proud of myself. And the thing that was crazy is I was doing all this stuff and I was happy again because I was like, holy fuck, look at all that I can do. I can like work in New York City, you know, lead marketing at a big company, take care of my three kids, navigate it all. And so I was happy. But that was independent of the relationship I was in. And so when I filed six months later, it was blindsiding. And and I'm very thankful that we had over a decade of growth like of being together that like we see each other as family and now we're so far removed that we we consider each other friends like we were able to you know get through covid together we now co-parent together my kids have co-parents now mm-hmm. whereas before they just had an angry mom all the time so yeah and so <laughs> i'd much rather them have a 50% happy, fulfilled mom than a hundred percent really resentful, angry mom. Mm. And so, yeah, COVID hit. I'm like still going through the divorce. Everything is kind of, I worked in the wedding industry, so it was turned upside down. And something that was near and dear to my heart over the course of my divorce was how stress affects your body and what alcohol was doing to me. And so I I literally would see a one to one correlation with drinking the like, you know, mommy two glasses of wine at night that like is celebrated everywhere. Right. And then the next day having like two to three anxiety attacks throughout the day. Wow. And I'm like, okay, so that's when I got really really into like the head gut connection and why is what I'm eating affecting my like mental health? And then I started using cannabis and I felt such shame and stigma around that because, you know, here I am an executive at a company. Here I am a mom of toddlers in the Upper West Side of New York City and I'm using CBD and microdosing THC. And...
0: That's interesting because you think of like if you were on Atavan or something, people would be like, Oh, me too, or like it's so normalized. Um and not to make it wrong, because it's not wrong, but it's so normalized that someone has a prescription medication that sort of numbs that stuff or or treats that stuff. But if you if one said cannabis, it's like all of a sudden you're you're run, you're in the wire and you're like you know, yeah. you know you know that you're a dealer or something you know like the the perception of it then which i mean there's so much to the propaganda that positioned marijuana and cannabis in a certain perspective
1: so much there that yeah it's like a whole other podcast Yeah, let's
0: deconstruct that on a (laughs) netflix documentary (laughs) you know
1: yeah yeah, please um but yeah and so COVID hits i see my mom friends drinking more alcohol than i've ever seen them drinking and i realized that when i would have a one-to-one conversation with someone where they would they trust me they know who i am as a person they would be like, oh, wait, so wh- what are you taking? How are you using it, et cetera? So coupled with the fact that when I was exploring CBD, FDA does not regulate CBD. They don't want to touch it. And so there are a lot of bad products on the market mm-hmm. and some that are placebo, some that don't work, and some that actually are don't control the THC counts, et cetera. So COVID hits and I decide to do the like least popular thing, which is... I decided to start a venture-backed business um, <laughs> while I'm homeschooling three kids full-time in a COVID house in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I love it.
0: You really yeah. have a penchant for your capacity. Like you're like, let's crush it. It's <laughs> I love it. I love it because it's so inspiring. You know, I'm like, I don't have any kids. And I'm like, man, how am I going to hold it all up this week? Then I see your Instagram story and I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, I better go.
1: Well, I I hope that people like also, and I do share like full disclosure, I'm supposed to be with you in that room in Las Vegas, (laughs) but I had an anxiety attack yesterday because my body had taken too much. And so I'm now becoming acutely aware of what my boundaries are. Um, But yeah, so I, I raised a round of financing, started House of Wise to create obviously CBD products that work and that women can trust, and a brand that women can kind of open their ears to and say, maybe there is an alternative. Maybe I don't have to reach for that glass of wine at night. But even more so, to me, the mission is all around like the thing that we were just talking about, which is shame and destigmatization of all the things. And to sit here and to say, I've gone through a divorce. I've gone through fertility treatments. I've had miscarriages. I've you know, I'm now dating as a, you know, single mom. I'm owning my sexuality, not for a man's pleasure. Like all of those things, society, you you see it. Like some people have a, a, a reaction to that, especially like around sex positivity, etc. Like there is so much rooted in female pleasure and how that has been part of a patriarchal narrative that it's for a man's pleasure. And so you Mm -hmm. see it like when we talk about masturbation or we talk about anything, women get uncomfortable because they feel like they're supposed to be like feeling shame around that. And, and so we, I want to break those stigmas and break those narratives so that women feel less, in the dark, when they're going through something that every woman will experience, like women will experience, Esther Perel says, like, every relation, you'll have two, you know, every, you'll have, what is it, two marriages, like, sometimes it's the the same person, right, like, you will go through these big things. And if we keep it in the dark, you have no reference point of how to navigate these things. And you feel so alone.
0: Yeah, so true. And I think, you know, so much of pleasure in general has been outcome driven, but more so that female pleasure, if it's a positive byproduct of the intimacy, yay. But if it's not, eh, you know, like everything's really centered around and has been not always, but still certainly is because it's so programmed in us. It's much like how you're talking about, like you you grew up in this midwestern town you got married by a certain age and if you watch the hereditary paths i mean that's what everyone does and so then you move to new york you have this feel like i'm ready to do everything i get, there's so much possibility because if you don't see possibility you don't see yeah. your 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 mother uh have boundaries you don't see your your parents even talk about healthy sexuality like i think one of the most interesting things about the sort of religious framing or what the religious lens of sexuality has done is is it has created this fear that if we talk about sex or educate about sex we will become sexual as opposed to we are sexual and being educated mm-hmm. about it will empower our sexuality like i hear what you're saying and i and i i, just, I think it's so it's beautiful because it's this desire to shatter all of the identities that were handed to you and be like, like when you do that, you kind of go, well, what's possible in my relationships? What's possible Mm -hmm. in my business? What's possible? Like if I wasn't taught that to be sex positive, is bad or anything sexual is bad or masturbation. You're going to go to hell because you double click your mouse, you know, like what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, do you know how many people then have shame because they jerk off in the room and then they think they're going to hell every time they come, but then they yeah. can't help but want to do it again. Cause that's the nature of being a human. You know, it's yeah. like, ah, I just look at it all and I'm like, man, if, if we didn't buy into everything we were taught, we could do anything we could create anything. And I'm so inspired by the the journey that you continue because, you know, I met you when you were working at the, at the, in the wedding industry and as you were going through that process. And it's been really amazing to watch you birth this company.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I think the shattering of the identities, it's like, we have to shatter them and then make room for the identities we choose and to hold multiple of them because Mm -hmm. if you think about so as a marketer we learn about generational imprinting like Mm -hmm. what was on tv on the radio what was the lyrics of music when you were imprinted as a kid which is like when you're like two through five maybe even before and so you do that because that's the like subconscious of then the next generation of who's buying and and whatnot. That's like a marketing trick, right? When you think about the people who raised us, what was on TV? It was Leave It to Beaver, 1950s, yeah. like male dominated yeah. household, right? And now we are like my generation, I'm 36. We're in this middle weird ground of like female empowerment is on the like WAP is playing on the radio but yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. like we uh, haven't been given the tools to hold these multiple identities and and so we talk about this a lot of like mm. honoring the honoring each of your identities as like I am a CEO, you know, I'm a VC backed founder, whatever you want to say, like that's my like business side, then I have a maternal side to me, like I love being a mom and And just because I am aggressive in in a business sense does not mean that that is a flow through to everything like i I am a very like soft mom and and very loving and then there's my sexual side, and what we talk about a lot with our community is honoring the transition because there's no way in hell you can literally flow from one of those identities to the other seamlessly
0: not without and, role playing.
1: Yeah. Right, like
0: you play CEO like I got this shit no problem
1: right yeah. I, that one I can snap into yeah. very easily yeah. but like I remember we were at an event in LA with our sex there our in-house sex therapist Dr. Kate and she you know we had a conversation and everybody walked in and they were super timid and they were like nervous to talk about things and and then Kate and I start talking about sex in a very just like pragmatic way like you said Like, what if we just talked about the fact that this is healthy part of your health? Like, Mm -hmm. this is a health and wellness conversation. Like, having an orgasm releases oxytocin and and, and boosts your serotonin. Like, what if we actually started talking about it in that way? That frees you up to start to ask questions because now it's coming from a lens of this is good for me, not this is shameful, right? Mm -hmm. And this mom, this sweet mom... She's in the back and you could tell that she was timid. We get through the whole conversation. We start asking questions and people are asking all different kinds. And she raises her hand and she, she's like, how do I go from mom mode where I have a toddler? Like I'm breastfeeding. Like I feel like my body is theirs. And she's like to like, I want to attack my husband. I want to enjoy anal. Like she was just like, I want that side of me too, but I feel like I've lost her And so that happens. And it happens for like multiple reasons. It happens because of hormonal changes, right? That's, that's very real after you have kids. But it happens because of what society expects of you. If we look at sex as utilitarian, that it is for either a man's pleasure or to procreate, which is what the religious norms kind of are. for, right. Right. Yeah then how dare you still be a sexual being if you've already had your kids?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Moms can't be sexual. What are you talking about?
1: Right. And so we went on to talk about honoring the transition of like creating your Superman booth where you are going to – for me, it's like if I'm going to go on a date, I go take a bath, I play a playlist, I pop a sex gummy – Like I have a routine that signals to my body that mom mode is over and I get to be the other part of my identity. And that those two, three, four, five, whatever amounts of identities you want to have can all coexist in the same person. Um, And they're, they're up to you to honor each of them independently. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus.
0: where all the gay men come in and dress everybody. It's such a good show. What's it called? Uh,
1: Queer Eye Queer. for the Stray Guy?
0: Yeah, but do you remember they did a new revamp of it? They were like, it's recent. Oh, it had, um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, it's such a good show. But maybe that's the same title as it had now. I can't remember, but...
1: I think it's the same title.
0: Yeah, and it's got a great group of men in it. They're hilarious. They're incredible. Yeah, and they sort of go into these people who have sort of settled into one identity or in, I hate to use this word, but in a lot of ways, like sort of resigned or given up on their expression, their vibrancy, their joy, their light, or they've stopped taking. Um, and again, I'm careful with my words, but like, stop really taking pride in their appearance. And, and of course, it's so easy to fall in to those spaces or identities that said like, Like, you're a mom, you can't be sexual. Or you're a CEO, you can't also be a mom. Or, you know, like all these things. And I love what you're inviting, that there's also ritual for the transitions and both ends. And there's all this space because so much of the judgments that occur are to keep us in these boxes that other people have been in. So, of course, like if you're part of a religious community and you're starting to, you know, get a little swagger after you have a kid and they're like, yo, we lost our swagger. Get your swagger out of here. What the fuck are you doing? I don't think we realize because it's often so subtle and it's done with the threat of not belonging. Even just that exists implicitly in the way that the community operates or the human system operates. And so we don't even realize that we're self-abandoning till we're carrying things like anxiety, depression. Like we don't even realize that we are, Because it's so normal. You know, I think of like Utah, no judgment to the Morms, but I should say and, not but. And it has the highest prescription rate for antidepressants. Now, of course, correlation doesn't mean causation. However, one might postulate that self, that, that repression of self, and I'm not saying all Mormons repress themselves, but... People in extreme religion do, especially with a lot of principles and ways of being and values that are sort of shared that suppress human behavior. It's like, if we have to do that in order to survive into our community, it's like, then you have a, I remember one retreat I did. There's like a couple 40 year old newly divorced Mormon moms from the center of Utah came (laughs) to it. I got to tell you, they were like the most fun. They had just, they were both had kids, two or three kids, and they have such beautiful energy and you could see this light coming out of them and they were now sexual beings and they were, and I just, I was so inspired by their sort of rebellion um, and just their ability to do the same as you're saying. But I love that you're inviting ritual in the transition. I think that sort of honors the sacredness of the honoring of what you're choosing
1: Yes, I think intention is everything, right? And that you're making the intention. Like, there's a reason why, like, the way our gummies work are you you pop one and then it, it activates like 30 to 45 minutes later. And first and foremost, like, you popping that sex gummy or strength gummy, that's a signal to yourself that you've now told yourself, this is important to me. I am going to make space for it. And that's the hardest thing to do as a mom, as a woman in general, like we have been taught to be selfless. Right. And, and self care. I have many thoughts around like self care and, and how it's been kind of just like made into a meme, if you will. But, um, but like, <laughs> but about baths. Yeah, exactly. It's just about pedicures and baths, but, but you are saying to yourself that you are worthy of this mm-hmm. time. And that's an act of self-love.
0: Like yes, I am agreed.
1: worthy of getting a workout in because my body keeps me going every day. I am worthy of like being intimate, whether it's with myself or a partner, like I am worthy of feeling that pleasure. And and that's the like switch that I'm seeing women have is that these products open up a conversation around maybe they weren't feeling worthy of that before and why and getting curious of that um so yeah so that's kind of been what we've been working on for the past year
0: yeah so explain to people uh what your company is how like i know you started it from that space of you started to explore cannabis and then were you starting to just experience a lot of benefit from it were you just Cause then it led, cause even your gummies, they're not THC gummies, they're CBD no. gummies. So yeah, just maybe walking us through w- what inspired you to start it and then what it really is and, and what sections are like whatever someone might be exploring or wanting to be intentional about, um, what you're working on too.
1: Yeah. So, um, house of wise is a luxury CBD business. Um, but our, our products, we have gummies and drops and we, we launched a sex serum as well. Um, they're all designed with active ingredients and CBD is the carrier. And so when you, when you learn about CBD, we have an endocannabinoid system inside of our bodies. Like we have cannabinoids inside of us and the properties of cannabinoids are basically like binding agents. They help amplify and inside of us our ECS is kind of air traffic control for our central nervous system. And so that's why taking CBD helps to either bring up an understimulated central nervous system or bring down an overstimulated. And what we did was CBD, after the farm bill was passed, like was everywhere with no regulation. And so there are a lot of people, especially in the Midwest where I'm from, who just put up a whole barrier. They're like, I don't understand it. It's everywhere. Like I don't it's I don't drugs.
0: trust it. I it's can't drugs. Do it. It's marijuana, yeah.
1: right? And so, I wanted to take a different approach and speak to the problems women are having and men. Like we obviously have tons of men buying our products, but it's it's like degree de- deodorant, right? It's strong enough for a man but made for a woman. <laughs> I love it. I, I
0: do got to say every time I take cuz I take the stress gummy, I take the sleep one. I haven't tried the strength one. And I haven't used the sex one yet. Um, but those will all be engaged soon. My <laughs> What I love is whenever I open the stress gummy one on the back, it says like a wise woman. Uh, what is the line?
1: Yeah, it's like a wise woman takes control of her stress.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, he, she does. Like I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. It's not like it's, you know, wrapped in soy or estrogen, you know, like the, and they're tasty and I do like them and they, they help, you know, I had more recently been managing a lot of anxiety and they were part of the strat They are part of the strategy of how I do that.
1: Yeah, same. And for me, I wanted to create products like you, you, you kind of just touched on all four of our pillars, sleep, sex, strength, um, sleep, sex, stress, and strength are our four pillars, and they all have active ingredients. So like the stress one is L-theanine matched with CBD. And the thing people don't realize is CBD, when it binds with an active ingredient, you have kind of this entourage effect. You feel the active ingredient more and you don't need as much. So our strength gummy, for example, is not as much caffeine because if I take a a pre-workout, I'm jittery. It's way too much caffeine for me. I don't like to drink caffeine. And so we cut the caffeine in by like a fourth of what a normal pre-workout is. But when paired with CBD, you feel the effects of it. And so it's marketing as the outcome or the function you're looking for. And CBD happens to be a part of it. But when you speak to the function, people are let their guard down a little bit because you can say, hey, if you're not sleeping well, read thousands of testimonials of people who are now sleeping well, because I feel like I'm doing a marketing masterclass, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but then you, you talk to the function first that, that gets them excited because that's a need that they need to be met. Um, and then yeah, and like then you the problem
0: out. you solve and then how you solve the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's true because so much is, we put up our wall because we have been sold this idea that anything associated with cannabis is totally illegal and associated with uh, criminals and and addicts and all those things. And CBD is such. Uh, I mean, it's it's not addictive at all, right?
1: Nope. It has
0: no addictive properties. It's not psychoactive.
1: Non psychoactive, right? People, we get that question a ton. They're like, "Can I take this around my kids?" And I was like, "I would never create." Something. I'm a mom of three. <laughs> like, I would never create something that moms couldn't take. And the gummy is bigger in size and our, our head chef, the woman who helped us, we have a team of chemists who help us figure out the, the formulas. And then we have this amazing head chef Mika who, um, like they all taste very unique and very good. Like culinary excellence was important to us, but they're bigger because I want it to stop you in your tracks. This is not like a little like Flintstone gummy vitamin. This is a like two bite (laughs) thing. Again, that goes with intention, where Mm -hmm. you stop and you say, I'm having my gummy right now because I notice I need it, whether you're feeling stressed.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash AI for all.
1: And for me, like when I realize that it's time, like I need a gummy, that's usually when I'll like meditate or something. I'll like sit down, have the gummy, and then I'm like, okay, I've got about 30, 45 minutes. But it, it's this beautiful snowball effect of you're first signaling to yourself from an emotional standpoint that you, you need this and it's time to have this.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And so now what's uh what's the next step? Do you have any future launches planned?
1: So now, I mean, we are not even a year old. Our first birthday is coming up. So, We've,
0: that's so crazy to think of
1: it is insane and so I feel like the, I've
0: watched it happen and I'm like it feels like it's been around now for years but it's not even a year I
1: know trust me I know and people expect us to have our shit figured out more than like a one-year-old company normally does um but I think that that's good if people think that we're way more further along but um <laughs>
0: it's true
1: like I I'm building in public. And for anybody that's never heard that term, it's a very like tech VC term, but like I share what it's like to build the company outwardly. Yeah, you do.
0: Your stories are real. They're not like, Hey, uh, I'm crushing this and I'm crushing this. It's like, this is my human experience. And I was crushing it yesterday and today I'm being crushed. Like you're very, (laughs) uh, the other thing too, I wanted to mention that I started, I shared at the start is like, When we were communicating via email and you're you're like, oh, we take a mental health week off next week. I was like, that's such a good idea. Because I Mm -hmm. find with the people I work with, I'm like, hey, take the week off or take vacation. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they check their email or they check or they're messaging me. And I'm like, why are you messaging me? Like, leave me alone. And I don't want to talk to you. You're on vacation. And so. I was so inspired by that because if the business is shut down, then no one can communicate. Like there's not a task or a responsibility. Yeah. So we did that. We actually did it for three weeks and we had never done that. And it's really inspired that we're going to do a week every quarter just so everyone has a forced time off. And it's just a. We also did it at mine too. So we took a week off at the beginning of November and, you know, that startup life of like, it's like, go, go, go all the time. And you can't really preach mental health or emotional wellness and not actually practice it. And I think it's like such a, in a way it's so interesting because to say we're taking a week off is so counterculture to tech or to venture world.
1: Yeah. And it is difficult when you are doing something that is unfamiliar as a VC backed business. VCs are literally at their core designed to spot patterns. Yeah. And I want to like imagine a world where the nine to five like was not created. Like think about it. That happened in the industrial revolution when Ford Motor Company needed to know how many widgets or whatever were being <laughs> created an hour so they could determine how many people were needed to make how many cars. Okay, so that's like the origin of the nine to five. We sit at a computer, it is not quantifiable. Like, mm. how do you make quantitative assignments of your work? You don't. You have a really clear goal that you're marching towards. And if you hit your goal, it doesn't matter how you work. And for me, the biggest revelation was when I was going through my divorce and I had. You know, on the weeks that I had my kids, and I was working you know at a big tech company, I would go in and I know myself. like I know my cortisol levels are through the roof in the morning. I am a morning person. that's when i my flow state happens the easiest. And so I would crank for three straight hours. And for me, getting into my flow state for three hours is like a normal person's eight hours of work of you know distracted bopping around, right? So then at 3:34 o'clock when my kids are super young and go to bed at 6:30, I'm out the door. I'm like, see ya. and everybody was like, "That sets a really bad tone." And I'm like, "What is setting a bad tone?" Is mm-hmm. it like I'm hitting or my is goals set a that good you're tone. Right, I'm hitting my goals that you're giving me. If I'm underperforming, that's a separate conversation. And so now I get to build something from scratch that actually like acknowledges that all of this stuff that we've been operating in, these like nine to five or frameworks, that's all bullshit. It was created by someone somewhere. And so how do I empower, we, we're mostly women on our team, but in general, how do I set a new standard for what it means to be a VC backed business? And, and like, I still get shit from like, I have guy founder friends, like just last week, one of my very well known founder friends was like, yeah, but you post pictures at the pool at 3pm. I was like, yeah, because that's when my cortisol dips. And that's when I need to recharge from three to four o'clock. And I'm like, but I've already gotten all my work done. And why does that matter? And and like, what, like, but he he his like, innuendo was that, like, people won't take me seriously as a founder because of what I'm posting. And I'm like, Let's look at my numbers. If my numbers aren't performing, that's a different story, right, but they are.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me because that I used to work in the corporate world within medicine and pharma, and I remember they'd be like, Oh, do you want to move to the head office? And I'm like, Hell no. It's like you guys <laughs> gotta be there at seven and you have to leave it was that culture where you leave when your boss leaves because you can't leave before your boss leaves because god forbid you have more balance than your boss who grew up in a generation that avoided their home often not always and i'm like i think about that if like there's no faster way for your soul to die than to go to a job from eight to five or eight to eight or whatever that you're not passionate about that you're shamed if you somehow need balance like the fact that we need to ask permission to go for lunch, to do, you know, it's like, it's so bananas to me, but it's so normalized till now. And yeah. the idea even that someone might look at your, that you're at the pool at three and be like, Ugh, that's awful. I can't believe it. I'm not backing this, you know, like it's yeah. as opposed to being inspired by, but I think it's because we resent the balance. We resent that we're not choosing that thing for ourselves and when I look at, uh, like one thing that we do at, at Create the Love is when we now have another woman going on mat leave, is in Canada you get one year for maternity leave. And I have both Canadian and American uh, employees. And, you know, I regardless of where they live, they get a year. And what I've done, which when i tell other friends they're like why would you do that like that costs way more money is i pay them their full salary for the whole year yeah and the reason i do wow. that is i thought to myself like what would it be like to live in a world where we honored that maternal that maternal on a different level like one year of mat leave is great already in canada but what happens if you didn't have to think about also if you're only getting 50% of your salary right. from the government like what are you supposed to do and so i thought okay, well, this will cost more money as a company, you know, quote, unquote,
1: yeah.
0: now, but I actually think what it does is it garners love, trust, yeah. um, community, you know, and, and most people will be like, well, well, then you can get exploited. It's like, yeah, if I believe I can, if I operate sure. in that world, that I'm trying to save money on my employees, mental health while they're being a mom and connecting with their child. You know, and I would offer a similar, whatever the similar male extent of that would be. And it's, it's such a radical thing, but to me, it sort of feels like logical, you know, in some ways, you know?
1: Yeah. Like I, because, so we, we have a 70% async work culture and a 30% synced, which means, so async means it can happen. Anybody can be working at different times. Like it's happening asynchronously. Different times synced means it has to happen at the same time. So we have touch points like once a day to make sure that, like, you know, if somebody needs something from somebody else, they can get it urgently. But we're what this does is it frees up 70% of your time to do your best work when you can do your best work. Some people are morning people, some people are night owls. Um, And Going back to that whole like multiple identities thing, like you can honor the fact that we are humans first, like we have desire for interpersonal relationships. We want to go, you know, go for a run midday. And the, the, I think the silver lining of COVID was it, it started that conversation of mental health, like in this like work-life integration where they're not separate anymore and kids are on your laps and all those things. But you feel the pull right now. Everyone is trying to go back to where we were with the the same norms. But for most women, those norms are gone. They've gotten a taste of what it means to not miss doctor's appointments, to be able to go play with their kids from, you know, three to four PM. And I'm like, okay, how do we continue to just Call bullshit on things that don't make sense. And we have a very open culture where it's like, if you need to take a mental health day, you should feel freedom to say that. And you don't, you're not asking permission. There's no permission granted. Like, if you're going on vacation, there's no permission. Sure, put it on a calendar so people know if you're going to be out and can't answer something. But like, there's, it's a very flat organizational structure. And I'm not, pre- you're an adult. Like, you know your goals. You know what you're working towards. Like, do your thing. And if you're not hitting your goals, that's a separate conversation. But it takes a lot of operational excellence that I don't think a lot of companies care to like. They'd rather, it's about control over out comes if that makes sense
0: yeah it does it's interesting to think like you're not requesting vacation you're telling us when you're going so that we can support your desire to go on vacation that's such a different way somatically like your body just feels different knowing that you're not like fawning and going to your boss and like can I take these two weeks off now granted that doesn't mean you can't have and be like hey actually that week is going to be pretty challenging however how can we make it work you know like at least that there's space for discussion it's, it's so radical, but it shouldn't be radical. And I love what you said that COVID got us a taste. Like I've never worked in an office. I've always had a sort of territory job and then, you know, entrepreneur now, but I, so I've always worked remotely. I've always worked with people at different, you know, in different places. And I, I remember once when I accepted a job when I was really young to work at this retail place where I had to go in every day. I was like, (laughs) I quit within three days. And I went back and asked for my old job back. And my boss was like, you just quit. And I'm like, yeah, I want to come back. I tasted the other side. It's not great. And my boss was like, okay, welcome back, which took a lot of humility. And I look at now and it's like, I kind of think it's similar in so many ways of, okay, well, before we'd say to your boss, can I work remotely and your boss be like, Oh, I don't think we can make it work. Mm -hmm. But what COVID's done is said they had to, well, look at what happens when people have to, it can happen and it can work. And you know, the research definitely demonstrates that people are not more productive going into work from nine to five. They're actually usually productive at home and, you know, listening to music and doing whatever. Uh, And there are times when you need to get in person to have meetings and all those things. But I think it's just indicative of like, when there's a motivation, we can actually do anything. Like I look at how much we've rallied government people to solve, solve quote unquote COVID. Mm -hmm. We could solve so many things if we had the same urgency, which we should have. And so it's always such a bullshit excuse to say we can't or, we don't have the reason we don't have this. And it's like, I just think it's so it's like when it's in line with profit, we have motivations or when, and mm-hmm. when it's in line with productivity, we have motivation and it's such a different thing to prioritize the humanization of the people we work with. And then that lead to actually more productivity, maybe not more profit, maybe more profit though, but you, mm-hmm. you have humans in a different state. And if you have humans in a different state, then, where they're in a state of gratitude and appreciation for the community and yeah. the connection that the work provides, and like your workplace has inspired some serious policy differences at ours. So, I'm very mm-hmm. grateful because you've really modeled it and and gave a solution. I didn't even think about shutting your business down for a week. And it's like after I heard you do it, I was like, oh well, fuck, yeah, that's dead. Why didn't I do that?
1: <laughs> but that's the thing with all of this, right? Because there aren't people modeling what it means to be a mom and sex positive and a, you know, executive, there's not people modeling what it means to build a culture around people first over profit, which the profit comes. That's the crazy thing. Because when you, uh, when you create space for people to do their best work on their own terms, they do even more and they do it in a way that you didn't even know was possible because you've been putting these like bowling alley bumper pads on them for the whole time. And they can only <laughs> go within this lane, you know, and you're like, well, you're not going to fail because I put it in the bumper pads, but like, you know, you, you're just going to stay right here in this tiny little space. Whereas they can now be inspired in so many other ways because they're, they, they're working at their best selves.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, I'm so grateful that you took the time to share with us about your business, your life, your transformation. What is possible when we break free of the identities and we allow ourselves to be the creators of them rather than the inheritors of them. And reminding us to, take, to make ritual and time and ceremony and intention. And where can people find more of you? and also House of Wise.
1: Yeah, so I share kind of the behind the scenes of my mom life and builder life on Instagram. So at gets AM, Um I share more of the like business stuff, like what it's like, like how to raise around a VC funding and all that stuff on Twitter. Um, and then houseofwise.co if you're interested in trying the products.
0: Yeah, and your spelling of your last name for people listening is G O E T Z A M. Yep. And that's your at yep. for Instagram. Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you so much. So Thanks, appreciative. Mark. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. Or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.